Hello, greetings, salutations, welcome to this yet another Grand Day Out episode. It is a beautiful, sunny Sunday afternoon, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely Sunday. Anyway, moving on. Uh, it's been a little while since we spoke. How are we all doing? We all okay? We all good? Yeah? Good, glad to hear it. Anyway, <laughs> I have just come out of a screening of Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie, the film, of the video game, of the series. <laughs> How was it? Um, it was okay. No, I really, really dug the first one. I loved it. <laughs> As I spoke about previously on on Twitter and on a previous uh, Grand Day episode of Memory Serves. I enjoyed it. I don't think it has as much heart to it as the first one did. This one definitely ups the stakes in regard to kind of action set pieces. A lot of it is kind of action set pieces here and there, trying to get it in as much as possible, which is fine. It's a sequel. Uh, Really liked Idris Elba's casting as Knuckles. Quite an inspired choice. Really, really like him. Kind of throughout the film, he kind of takes on... uh, The best way to describe it is kind of Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. If you've seen that film, kind of the way he is, he doesn't understand literal things. And, you know, kind of like that. So they play Idris uh, Knuckles off as that. Um, Colleen Colleen O'Shaughnessy playing Tails. Cannot fault her at all, to be honest. Um... Voice actor from the later incarnations of Tales game of the Tales from the games. Uh, yeah, really, really dug her. She's pretty cool in that role. Jim Carrey, I think he he's fine in this. I don't think he's as good as he was in the first film. Probably because he's not bouncing off of anybody. Because a lot of the human characters do get sidelined in this film. And I'm fine with that, to be honest. For a film about uh, CGI animated characters. You know, they get a lot of the human human characters, like I say, get sidelined. And again, I'm, I'm fine with it. But because he hasn't got anyone to bounce off of the... He, he doesn't come across as as manic as he does in the first one, where he's a complete joy to watch in the first one. Um, the post-credit scene, I liked. It sets up the third one. It does feel a bit shoehorned in, especially with the way they're going to go with it. I think possibly it's a bit soon for that character, but I understand why they're going to do it. Uh, a lot of the kind of context dumps that they take in this film are really badly done, really clunkily done. I think probably because it's trying to get it out in that window from the first one to really capitalise on the success of the first film. But I understand. It's it's not for me. <laughs> it's, it's for kids. Um, yeah, I think it's a kids' film. It's perfectly functional. I mean, I was in a screening full of kids and... There was a couple of good laughs. There was a couple of good moments in it. You know, uh, there's some nice little references in there to the older kind of fans of Sonic. So you've got the Mean Bean uh, K 
cafe, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a drawing in Sonic's bedside table, which looks like... Well, I couldn't make it out, but there's definitely something, and I'm pretty sure the bed he sleeps in is uh, the car from uh, Sonic Team Racing. And I'm pretty sure him snowboarding is a reference to Sonic Riders. Maybe. Not entirely sure, but there's still, there's still some little bits in there. You know, oh, and Sonic smashing through a truck in Seattle. A water truck, I should say, that's called Splash Hill. Yeah, I like that. I see what you did there, uh, filmmakers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd give it a solid 7 out of 10. It wasn't... Again, it's not made for me. It's made for kids and such like. Sorry, you have to forgive me because I've, I've had to move away from my normal recording spot. So I'm right on the main road. I'm hoping this all picks up. But yeah, I um, kind of dug it. <laughs> Enjoyed it. Will I see a third one? Yeah, probably. I don't think I'm going to... Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I will see it for sure. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break because I am going in to see uh, Jared Leto choose some scenery playing Michael Morbius in Morbius and I am really, truly hoping it is an absolute garbage fire. But... We'll, we'll see about that. Time, time will tell on that one. So, join us in a bit. I have just come out of seeing Morbius. What do I think? Right, first thing off the bat. <laughs> I saw reviews for it online and I expected an absolute clusterfuck. Sorry, reviews like one out of five, two out of ten. It's not that bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed it, sort of. It's boring. It's predictable. You know what's gonna happen. Fuck Gerard Leto for deciding to go method for a start. <laughs> Morbius is not a film where you can and should go method to portray a fucking vampire. <laughs> and he kind of, it's, he's taking it far too seriously for what this film is. Uh, yeah. Matt Smith, who's in the film, the former 11th Doctor, he knows exactly what this film is. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> and hams it up. Absolutely accordingly. <laughs> and he is the most enjoyable thing and presence on screen. The thing the major thing I have with this film is that well, there's two major things really. It just feels really, really dated. But the problem is is that if this was filmed if this was filmed made about 10, 15 years ago, in with the early superhero stuff, comic book stuff, this would be, people would be ranting and raving about this. As it stands at the moment, this feels really, really dated. And I mean that in kind of the terms of, like, the story, it feels like we've seen it before. Speaking of things that we've seen before, there's a lot of stuff involving bats, because of course, Morbius is a vampire, and you know, vampire bats. There's a couple of moments in the movie where he's kind of, Jared Leto uh, play Morbius and obviously kind of walks into all these bats that's swirling around the room and you're just like I've seen this I've seen this in Batman Begins and I've done it better and it's to the point where 
actually they do the fucking music orchestral swells it goes bom, bom, very reminiscent of the fucking Batman sound Batman begins and the Dark Knight trilogy of music you're like I've fucking seen this already and it was done much better Nolan did it much much better <laughs> yeah um I mean, like I said, Matt Smith is clearly MVP in this film. He is absolutely hamming the shit out of this. There's, there's a couple of minutes where I just went, what the fuck is this? Where, you know, he's kind of dancing to... Just basically dancing and prancing around. And it's like, yeah, he's enjoying himself for no fucking reason. Aside from he's getting a paycheck for this shit. <laughs> Stylistically, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the horror thing. I've... It's a 15 rated in the UK. I don't think it'd be that in the States for sure. If Sony want to go the horror route with all their uh, Sony Marvel movies, I'm fine with it, but they've got to lean heavily, more heavily into it. Not just kind of half ass it. You know, we're going to talk about the uh, fucking post credit scene though, because. Wow. <laughs> so all of the Spider-Man references... Actually, to be fair, before we jump into that, we've got, to, we've got to go into some of the Spider-Man references in the film. There isn't any to do with Spider-Man anyway. There's a couple of bits where, you know, he buys the Daily Bugle. There's a couple of bits on the Daily Bugle that says that there's a rhino on the loose. It's a hoax. And then on the next kind of couple of scenes along, there's another bit that says there's a chameleon. He's broke out of jail. You're like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of planting seeds for the for the upcoming Craven film that's currently filming, possibly finished filming at time of recording. Not sure. Very, very much uh, quotation citation needed on that. It's like, okay, I can kind of see where they sort of want to go to the universe, and then you get to the fucking end credits. Uh, spoilers for the post-credit scenes. If you don't want to know, obviously skip forwards a couple of minutes. But basically you've got, for whatever reason, leading on from No Way Home, uh, a crack in the multiverse appears. And for whatever reason, it appears that Adrian Toomes is in the, the Sonyverse now? What? I didn't think it worked like that. I didn't think that villains could cross dimensions like that willy-nilly because he was in the MCU now he's in Sony uh, it's all very confusing anyway and then you kind of get this going he's in jail oh nobody knows where he's come from and then he kind of gets released because yeah fine okay it's very confusing to have him jump across from one universe to the other so I don't know if that means that Marvel doesn't have any plans for the Vulture now so Sony's like yeah we'll have him and then not long after that you get a bit more credits and then you get a final credit scene with Morbius fucking driving for for, for no reason we then meet at, at like 2 o'clock in the morning because I made a note of that because that was important <laughs> driving out to the desert because reasons, and then suddenly you get the fucking vulture appear in what appears to be a brand new suit. Looks very much like the suit that was teased in Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man 2. Going, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm here because of Spider-Man, and us guys in this world, we should team up and do something. And it's like, okay, but one, Michael Morbius has no fucking clue who Spider-Man is. 
because we haven't established a Spider-Man in this fucking Sony-verse because for whatever reason Sony want to do solo villain films without fucking Spider-Man and I was like what? and then why have Sony got such a fucking hard on for the Sinister Six we've just had basically the Sinister Six in No Way Home as of sorts why why must why 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 are Sony pushing this so fucking hard? They tried last time in twenty do that uh, the early two thousand tens with the amazing Spider Man. Why why must we why why must we do that again? M- must we? Uh, and he, he yeah, and Morbius kinda goes, Oh yeah, well that sounds interesting. Why would he? It kind of you know, undermines the whole film where Michael Morbius has been kind of been cast as like I guess the hero but not really because you know he doesn't want to kill people and rah 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 all very confusing shit uh is it worth seeing on the big screen just to kind of wrap up my summations and thoughts sorry you have to forgive me because I'm walking about uh is it worth seeing on the big screen no, not not really. I, in fact, I wouldn't, because it would just encourage Sony to make another one. And no, don't don't do that. <laughs> please, please don't. Must 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 we have more more solo villain films without Spider-Man? Really, I still don't know how it can work. Venom, arguably, yes, because he's. Well, not after Let There Be Carnage, because fuck me, that film was terrible. Must must we have a Craven film without Spider-Man? I mean, really, if you're going to have Craven, he needs to be in a Spider-Man film and do, like, uh, Craven's Last Hunt or, or The Gauntlet, you know, adapt those stories, but don't, don't, don't do him on his own. That's kind of... I, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of... Uh, wandering off now, I dare say I will be talking to uh, Matt about this at some point, either on a side order or what have you, because he will have many opinions. So, yeah, actually, no, I may not have seen him or talked to him by the time this gone out. So, Matt, let me know what you think <laughs> if you manage to get around to seeing this. But, um, yeah, I think that will do for my day at the cinema now, and unless there's anything on the end here. Well, no, I'm done at the cinema now, I'm going to go home. I think there's a couple of bits on Netflix possibly I might check out. So we'll uh, I'll talk to you in a bit. And we are now at home. <laughs> As you can tell from a slightly nicer, less intrusive uh, sound. <laughs> so I've just got off of Netflix and I've just watched this brand new Judd Apatow film by the name of The Bubble. So for those of you who are not in the know, basically... It's a film about this group of actors coming together during the fucking COVID-19 pandemic and trying to make a film while they're all self-isolated and such like... Oh, excuse me a moment. There's a cat wanting to come in. Hello, mate. Podcast cat says hello, by the way. (laughs) Anyway, it's basically about these group of... Big name actors coming together to try and make this film during the COVID-19 lockdown. And they're all kind of locked in in this uh, hotel and slowly driving each other mad. It's supposed to be a comedy. I don't think I laughed once. Well, that's a lie, actually. I think I laughed maybe once. 
And that was a toilet gag, because that's about my level of humour nowadays, to be honest. Um, the whole film, it's a definite far cry from Judd Apatow's kind of original work, you know, on stuff like The 40-Year-Old Virgin and, and uh, Knocked Up. This feels very, very scripted, which is fine, but it's scripted in such a way that it's just not funny. Where the other films kind of, they let their actors improvise and, and keep rolling and stuff, where they get some generally really, really funny stuff. Like that, say, that, um, the bit from the uh, Knocked Up where they go, I know, you know how I know you're gay because you listen to Coldplay. I still quote that <laughs> every now and again because, you know, it, it's a funny scene. But, um, yeah. Uh, there's not really a lot I can say about it. I mean, I kind of want to watch the film within the film <laughs> instead of this film. So they're making a film called Cliff Beast and it's like dinosaurs on a yeah, and they and this group of people trying to figure out what to do with these dinosaurs and stuff. It's called Cliff Beasts or, or something, and it's like the sick film. I want to watch that film, not not this uh, quote-unquote uh, comedy film. Um, I mean, it didn't really do a lot for me. I feel like it's now going to be one of those films where inevitably people are going to start making films about COVID and the pandemic and a lot of the humour is going to be driven from that. I mean, there's a couple of sections where in the film where they the actors have to quarantine for 14 days when they enter the country and it shows them going mad. Fine. It's not funny though. And kind of people being swabbed uh, so they can get on the film sets and stuff. And I mean, fine. In a few years, I mean, possibly, yeah, it might be quite amusing to look back and go, ha-ha, I remember that time, but it's kind of different when it's still so fresh, but it's not even, like, trying to be clever. It's one of those films where, like, when Host came out on Shudder in 2020, where it was filmed in the lockdown and stuff, it's going to be like, fuck's sake, there's going to be a whole load of COVID films, isn't there? And this is kind of what I was dreading happen. There are some really clever things to do with kind of, like, this that style of filmmaking with, like, the COVID and, and the Zoom stuff, stuff and that, all being, you know, like, one of my picks for last year, for example, was A Little More Flesh Part 2, which was filmed during a COVID lockdown, for fuck's sake, across Zoom. And that's really cleverly done, but this just feels... Trying to throw too much at the wall and seeing what sticks, and a lot of it doesn't stick. I feel like... You, you've got these big-name actors in there, like David Duchovny, and you've got, like... Michael Keegan Peel, uh, Michael Keegan Peel, yeah, that's his name. It's not, it's a, it's not a key. It's Peel. It's not Jordan Peel. It's, it's the other one. It's Michael Jordan. Keep fuck's sake, not Michael Jordan. The, the other guy who's not the director from Bloody Key and Peel, uh, and I, because they're playing like characters, they're not playing. I'd rather them have them play more fictionalised versions of themselves so they can go really over the top and bombastic with it but instead you get these kind of really really boring characters I mean you've got Karen Gillan as well her kind of whole arc in this film seems to be that she's trying to speak out on the mistreatment of on the set of this film that everybody keeps calling her a whiny moany uh, actor 
who's kind of spoiled and stuff. Uh, uh, it's just, it didn't gel for me. It's two hours. It didn't really kind of do anything. You can kind of see where they're, where they're going off for it. Um, and yeah, it it's a shame because there could have been something really quite funny in there, but it just wasn't. You know, I mean, even podcast cat over here, he he slept for the whole entire thing, and he he's known to watch a a good bit of film or a good bit of TV, but um, yeah, even he slept for it. And and that right, fella, and that right, podcast cat. No, you you're trying to bite me because you you're trying to sleep. Okay, no, fair enough. Okay. Um, yeah, that that says it all. Oh, one one quick thing as well before we kind of wrap up on this grand air episode, I just want to touch on the very very recent announcement of this whole PlayStation Plus Premium thing. Very very confusing. So it looks like they're rolling PlayStation Now, which is kind of their streaming service, and running it in with PlayStation Plus, which is their uh, membership online kind of deal. It makes sense for them to roll it together, but I don't necessarily agree with the way kind of they're doing it because it just sounds like they're literally rolling PlayStation Now into PlayStation Plus, which is fine. It's a no-brainer. They should have done that from the outset, but it feels like a lot of people are trying to compare it to Game Pass. It's not going to be Sony's version of Game Pass. It feels like Sony are trying to make an alternative service, I guess. One that features looking back at the past because you've now got going to have three set tiers. You're going to have like your bog standard, which which is kind of what people and most people are on anyway. You've got like the extra, which is going to give you access to the PS4 and PS5 library. And you're going to get on top of that. And then you get premium, which is going to be like giving you access to PS3 PS1, PS2, and Vita, I believe, sort of uh, content. It feels very haphazard in the way they're doing it, like they're trying to sell nostalgia to you, which to me, it feels a little bit wrong, considering that Xbox have done Game Pass so well, and they have a lot of their uh, original Xbox games on there, and you can access Xbox 360 games on there as well. Sony seemed to be like, well, you want it backwards compatibility, right? Well, this is your next best thing. The thing that irks me the most is that, all right, they're they're kind of bundling in PlayStation now, which is fine. Like I said, it's a no-brainer. They should have done that from the beginning. But you're still streaming PS3 games. Surely, at this point, like nearly, you know, we're nearly 10 years, fuck's sake, we're like six years or something, you know, from the launch. No, God, no. It wouldn't be over 10, 15 years. Hey, time. You're now over like 10 years on from the release of the PS3. And you would have thought that there would have been a way by now for them to create like an emulator for their console. It's their tech, for fuck's sake. I can understand like people on the internet... Like not being able to because the system and the hardware were notoriously difficult to kind of uh, develop for. But it, it's only themselves. They're kind of like, yeah, you can just have it streaming. You know, it's like they're not putting in the effort. It's a bit like they did with the PlayStation Mini, where they literally whipped someone's emulator off the internet, chucked it in a plastic box, and went, there you go, $100, uh, like 
$150, £100, you know, whatever. Fucking have at it. You know, it, it stinks of laziness on their part. I mean, for me, I probably won't be getting it. It depends entirely on the uh, range of games that you're going to be able to have. But given kind of... I mean, it'd be quite handy for the podcast. I'm not going to lie. It would make getting hold of PlayStation Classics and PS2 games kind of easier to play because it's, you know, I like to own a physical thing or at least support, you know, kind of like if we're doing like a new game or whatever, I like to give money, you know, to, to support the game industry and such like. And obviously emulation of PS2s and some hardware is just incredibly difficult to do. So it would be easier, but at that price point, I'm not knowing what games they're going to have. And on top of that, whether they can secure the games that I would want to play as well is another big thing. And the other other thing is as well, is are these PS1, PS2, PS3 uh, games going to be compatible with PS4 as well? Because, you know, they, 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 as much as our lovely UK government says the pandemic is over, it, it's not... And, you know, there is a lot of, you know, chip shortages and, you know, stuff like that. Workers going down with COVID, affecting production and things like that. So people are struggling, still struggling now to get their hands on a PS5. So for me, I would want to know, will it work on, you know, PS4 and stuff? That's going to be a major influence for me. And I dare say a lot of other people as well. You know, what's to stop me from going out and going, do you know what, actually sod it, I'm not going to bother with this, I'm going to go out, I'm going to spend, you know, like, however much money on a Raspberry Pi, and, you know, build build my own kind of emulation machine, which I don't really want to do, but I'm, you know, Sony isn't really giving you a lot of other choice aside from that, obviously if you want to play your classic PS1, PS2, and, you know, arguably PS3 games, should you, you know, should a stable PS3 emulator come along eventually, you know? To really wrap up, like I say, it, it's kind of a no-brainer rolling all these services together, but it just feels really lazy and really haphazard, like not a lot of thought has gone into it, you know? They're kind of selling you on the nostalgia of, you know, memories from, you know, PS1, PS2 and things like that, and having a staggered three-tier system is just bonkers. People are going to get confused between extra and premium, you know? It's... it's which is probably, to be fair, what Sony is banking on, because Sony are notoriously cash-grabbing bastards. But I, I digress nonetheless. You know, it's very, very difficult to see how this can work, especially with Game Pass as well, being such phenomenal value. And the fact that also, as well, while we're at it, Sony have said that new games aren't going on first day. They're saying, oh, it's going to affect the, the uh, kind of production of AAA games and stuff. Which to me, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a valid point, but also I'm calling bullshit because, you know, it's just Sony wanting to make more, you know, more money for their, for their back pocket. You know, it's just kind of, it's kind of reductive. You know, if you were guaranteeing day one, you know, on exclusive games on like this new Game Pass thing with an option to like, you know, buy it if you want to or have it on like the premium you know, for for a week, two weeks, have it free, download it, and then after that, take it off or whatever, you know? And then have it kind of, you know, something like that. It's 
you ca- you cannot compete with Game Pass. I know, like I said, they're two very different services, but Game Pass right now is phenomenal value. I'm not going to argue that. As someone who has a PS4 and is possibly looking to get a PS5, that Game Pass on Xbox is oh so appealing. So, you know, there might come a point where, you know, I end up getting an Xbox just purely for Game Pass because, you know, there's... There is a lot of stuff on there, and Game Pass is fucking phenomenal value for what it is. 